Good evening. Hello, everyone. I'm Angie Arago, and I'm tickled pink to be moderator for your Q&A tonight. Please join me in welcoming to the stage actor, writer, director, raconteur, Richard E. Grant. No, come sit here. Someone ridiculously popular and ridiculously talented, so I ought to begrudge her it, but I love her anyway. Melissa McCarthy. person without whom the uh, founder and CEO of media investment and production company Archer Gray Amy Noyakis <laughs> Welcome all Welcome and thank you for joining us tonight and congratulations on a one of a kind I think with some so funny and so poignant and so unusual. Um, let me start with you, Amy. I read that you first read Lee, Lee Israel's book by lantern light in a tent <laughs> in Tanzania. That's right. <laughs> and I wondered, A, if that was true, and B, what got you and your, um, your partner at Archer Gray and Carrie so hooked on it? Yeah, well, so I, um, it's actually a really special project for us for a whole bunch of reasons. but. Um, I think people don't appreciate that this has been a long journey. Anne found this story um, over 10 years ago now. And um, when she brought it to me about two years later, it was the first meeting we'd ever had together. And we, we actually built our company around our love for this story. Um, and she, she's, you know, we were trying to find something to do together. And she said, I have a, um, I don't know if this is up your alley, but I have a kind of really cool story about a curmudgeonly aging woman with a dying cat who's drunk and a little bit mean, you think you'd be interested? And I said, well, that just sounds exactly like what we should be digging into <laughs> together. And, um, and I took it on holiday with me, and I read it um, in, a, in a tent in Tanzania. And I was like, oh my god, this is an amazing woman. And she was just so complicated and, and flawed. And um, I, you know, I just it felt so important to tell the story of somebody who walked amongst us on a regular basis like, that we could all feel we could see a piece of ourselves in um, and you know, bring her to life a little bit. So it, it was fantastic. But how easy or how difficult was it to raise finance <laughs> for a film that's about a female protagonist who's obnoxious? Yeah, Strange, strangely, the money just didn't roll right in. It took a lot of conviction and, and a lot of energy. Um, but to be honest, I think that you know that when we when we we first met with the team at Fox Searchlight and and they shared um, an equal amount of conviction and um, enthusiasm for the project, but also just a vision for for how it would play out and giving us a little bit of space to allow us to to help bring it to life and and certainly to to allow Mari to bring it to life. Um, which they were great partners and and I give them a lot of credit for backing this film because it. Isn't, it, it wasn't and it isn't, um, and I hope that it becomes less difficult um, to back this kind of film in the future, but, but um, it, yeah, it's been a long journey. Well, you've really backed Mariella's 
Heller's career, didn't you both encourage her to go to Sundance Labs for writers and directors? And, and you yeah. produced her first film, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Mm -hmm. What did you feel she was going to bring to this table? Well, we, you know, having worked with her before, we knew that she had a unique vision and a unique voice. Um, I think that is none like anybody in her generation. I mean, she has um, an ability to transport you to time and space um, and to take care of her characters and her story, nurturing it in a way that is quite unique. Um, and, and so it felt like a really great way to engage uh, in Leah's real story is to bring Mari on board. Melissa, what a wonderful, snarky, tough broad you make. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos. Um, Thank you. It's, it's fun that she's this incredibly witty, caustic forger, but it's also, she's so complicated it's, and lonely and angry and sad and all those things. I wondered what particularly drew, her to, drew you to her and, and how you were going to, how did you find a key to her that, to balance that wonderful wit and that talent with the, with the flaws? Well, I, uh, I was quick to kind of fall in love and certainly be enamored with Lee. And I, I think about, I was only a quarter of the way into the script, and I remember thinking, oh, I like her quite a bit. <laughs> and then at the same time, I had to stop, and actually I went back, and I started looking for why, because nothing had actually, nothing was tangible as to why I felt so fond of her and kind of got such a kick out of her. And I thought, well, that's strange, and I can't explain why what I feel for her. And then I kind of felt the same way for Jack for different reasons. I thought I'm rooting for these characters that you probably shouldn't be rooting for, but I had great empathy for them. And you know, I think for for Lee, I, I've. I think the balance in her is I, I always thought about her prickly, caustic, isolating ways as so difficult for her, but I thought, you know, it's just a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. At least it's how I saw it, part personality. I mean, it was truly a, a big part of, that was Lee. But I also thought, you know, we all do these things that are uh, some kind of device, usually not in our best interest to keep people from really seeing who we really are because we think they won't like us. So. Hers was to push away, and um, I think always kind of playing that balance of was was the bark, you know, valid or kind of defensive, and kind of somewhere in there, I was felt like I I could finally. I think with all her problems, one of the things that is so appealing generally about her is that, I mean, most of us try to be want to be likable, want to be liked or at least pretend to make some effort to be likable, yeah. and she doesn't seem to give. No, <laughs> and I, that was one of the things I, I was most attracted to, that she absolutely did not need the reflection of herself back to her. She didn't need or want other people to like her. She knew who, exactly who she was. She stood in her own shoes, even if it made her own life and circumstances difficult, and she didn't care. And I think, especially today, when so many people, I think, kind of reach out and say, like, what do you think of me for my self-worth? Lee could, she didn't give a damn, I mean, at all, what other people thought. She just wanted to, to do her work. This feels to me like a landmark for you and for in film, because I'm, I've been racking my brains trying to think of another woman's role like this. I can think of Jack Nicholson playing in uh, As Good As It Gets, or Clint Eastwood in that one about the mean, man, mean old man with the vintage car. But women don't get to play <laughs> grumps and stuff. It was really fantastic. 
as also, I think, I was wondering if she got away with it as long as she did, because a woman in, of her age and circumstances tends to be invisible. Mm -hmm. I think for sure. I, th I think it was something that was such a part of her loneliness, but I think she absolutely used it to get away with things. She was underestimated, you know, undervalued, and at a certain point just kind of told, you're obsolete. And sh she showed him. <laughs> Which I have to say, I know, she, I know it was a crime, but I kind of, I was rooting for her. If it was up to me, that like, you know, did you, did you see which way she went? I'd be like, nope. <laughs> I, would, I would be her alibi in a minute. <laughs> Richard, I can't imagine what you possibly could see in playing in a character was a confident hustler, the friend, the confidant, the accomplice. Um, what, how did you get him on board with this? I think somebody died or dropped out. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean absolutely serious, because as English people, you'll appreciate this from the colonies. Um, I got a call from my agent in London, which is the only agent I have, who said in November 2016, in the middle of November, you have 24 hours to read the script and make a decision. And I said, what the fuck is this, Mission Impossible? It's going to blow up. And they said, she said, no, no. I said, well, who's dropped out or dead? She said, don't ask those stupid questions. Just read it. So I said, you know, Nicole, Nicole Holof sent a script, Jeff Whitty, Avenue Q, the musical, he'd written that. Uh, Mariel, whose film I'd admired. And I'd seen some work that this person next to me had done. <laughs> Take a chance. So I said, of course I said yes instantly. And six weeks later, it was there. And did you two click as, as, as beautifully as one imagines? Because clearly you can't stand each other. <laughs> we, it's the worst. Um, we met on a Friday yeah. afternoon, and we started working. on But you were unavailable. You said that. I don't think you... You were finishing I four you... films, writing a musical, and <laughs> launching a clothing line. <laughs> this is what it was like every day. <laughs> But you uh, only had 28 days to shoot the whole yeah. thing. How did you, you know? Well, we met as a, on a Friday afternoon. Do, yeah. do carry on. Sorry, oh, no, and you. just, you know, it, it was a little nerve-wracking. I was nervous and intimidated to meet him, and I, I thought you were going to be very serious. Um, <laughs> and then I wasn't quite past the threshold, and I saw that. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is going to be wonderful. And every day was just kind of a delight. And yet, like you said, 20, 28 days to shoot this this film that I think is so beautiful and really captures what New York was in the, in the early 90s. I moved there in 1990, so I, I consider it like my new, my new York. But um, we never felt rushed, which I think is a testament to the producers and Marielle Heller that we've talked about this, that we should have felt panicked or a ticking clock at all times, and we just didn't. No. There's, I, I believe there's not even a picture available. Turn your phone off. <laughs> I'll just. Is it your phone? What's going on? Oh my god! So sorry. I heard there's not even a picture available of, of Jack. No, so no picture. So you didn't have lots of archival material to go through to prepare. I wondered if there was some little thing you discovered or found that gave you a, gave you something to work on. Well, serendipitously, he died 24 years ago today. Yeah. Um, and. In the uh, description in the book, which was so scant because obviously Lee Israel was such a um, egos, egomaniac, egomaniac, <laughs> uh, she described him as having a little cigarette holder um, that, in order to try and stave off lung cancer. So I knew that, and I asked Marielle if I could if I could have that, 
and then Arjun, the brilliant costume designer, gave me all these sort of early 80s neo-romantic uh, Spandau Ballet-esque clothes <laughs> that were way past their sell-by date, as was I, um, to wear. So that gave me a huge you know, clue into how, what to, how to start. What do you think that Lee saw in Jack, and what do you think Jack saw in Lee that made them a good team, sort of a good team? For me, I, I always thought that at that point, Lee was so lonely and desperate, and as much as she wanted to be left alone, I think she, it had turned into an isolation that I don't think anyone actually welcomes. And I think Jack showed up at the exact moment where she just needed someone to see her, someone to actually see her for who and what she was, bumps, bruises, good, bad, ugly, and to not judge it and to be okay with it. And I think Jack absolutely did that and saw her for all her flaws and still said, you know, well, what are we doing? What are we doing today? And that, even she couldn't fight that. And I think that also, uh, as you find out at the end, that he's HIV positive. So he is living his life so hedonistically and with this kind of as much muster, he musters as much panache and lives for the day because, as he says in a diner scene, life is grim. So if he's made a lot of cash, you know, selling off some baking powders, Coke or whatever it was, um, it's, you know, you don't, you can't save for a rainy day. You're, you're keeping, you're burning a hole because there may not be a the likelihood there is no tomorrow. So that gives it a, gives you great impulse and energy to play that part as, as well as that undertone poignancy of you, he knows what's coming. Thank you. I should stop hogging you and open it up to the audience. We have microphones on each side, so if, if I can see a few hands, I can organize where the mics will go. Okay, one back there, and don't be shy. <laughs> Well, we'll start. Go ahead, sir. Hi. Uh, good evening. It's a, a wonderful film, a wonderful performances. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, this is a question for Richard. Richard, there's there's another film you make where there was a character who was quite similar, but was uh, with not. And I just wondered if you ever drew on any uh, sort. Of, it's almost like a continuation of of just the, the sort of hedonistic behaviour. Are you suggesting for the last 32 years I've been drunk on screen? <laughs> 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 no, no, I haven't. I'd like to be, as being you know, a lifelong teetotaler and allergic to alcohol. I thought that maybe 32 years of not playing a drunk in between would kind of give me the chance to do it again. But thank you for drawing that card. <laughs> chin, chin. But he never cleaned a flat, that one. This, this one's worth having because you clean the cat shit from under your bed. That's a fr that is a friend. That is a friend. Thank you for your question. <laughs> I can't believe, oh, oh. yeah, Mr. Snappy Fingers. Oh, Snappy. <laughs> Garcon, yes. Nobody ever notices me. Um, yeah, uh, usual question. Um, you've got to make a, uh, shall I say, a, a 50 page story out of a 300 page book or a 100 page story, I guess it would be. And uh, what, um, how did you shape that and, uh, you know, create it? Um, you know, you, you guys have all read the book. I, so I wonder what sort of uh, simplifications and, and uh, um, summaries and uh, basically craft 
to, to shape that into the delightful film that it was. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I think as, as Richard Mosel said, that there, there wasn't a lot about Lee out there other than this book. And, and so it was a lot of um, finding, and, and, and um, my producing partners, Anne and David, both got to meet Lee and spend time with her. Um, before she passed, and so I think that that getting to know her, getting to know people that know her, kind of traveling her world, made it really clear what parts you had to kind of pull from. And then, of course, Jeff and, and then Nicole did such a fantastic job on on crafting these characters. But one thing that I was reflecting on um, that hadn't occurred to me until just recently that that in the development process of putting a, a, a project like this together, you do have lots of inputs along the way. And because this was a uniquely female project, you had you know we had two female producers, a female filmmaker, um, you know, telling a story about a, a strong female character, and and I'm always conscious that that when you have sort of one woman in a room, you get one woman's perspective. And so here we had you know our line producer in every turn. I think more than more than half of our crew was female, so we had a lot of female perspectives, which I think helped us understand. Lee's nuances and, and really appreciate that, that, that not only is Lee complicated, we're all complicated, and that, that we had a lot to put into that. So that was actually really useful. Go ahead. I absolutely love the film. And what I liked about it a lot was that it felt really uncompromising. Um, and just talking about the input that people had, people talk about how in films the central characters have to be likable, etc. Did you get pressure from financiers or all this input to try and soften it or to make the, make the characters more likable? Or were you able to just write the script as, as it is. Yeah, never, never once, which I think is um, incredibly important and I hope significant of a potential trend. Mm -hmm. um, and, and certainly Mari would not have ever wavered um, on, on kind of her views and her opinion of, of showing Lee in her true form. Um, so that was great. And, and certainly Fox was, was extremely supportive of that as well. Yes, sir. I know we can hear you, but they won't at the back. So just <laughs> hang on a sec. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask Melissa a question, actually. Um, did you draw on any of your other characters to, to get inspiration for this? I mean, I'm thinking of Tammy, maybe, as, as, like, a, 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 you know, as like a starting point, or anything like that? I think, um, I, no, no, not specifically, but I, I feel like I've been lucky enough to play a lot of kind of complicated, challenging women, that are the women I love to be around and watch, and. Um, that fascinate me, and I, I kind of thought of them all as the same. I concentrate on the character and the story, and then I try to find their rhythm to it. But I, I, I do think a lot about defense mechanisms. I think all characters, even if they're bright, shiny, and constantly happy, I always try to think of that as, well, what is that covering? What is, what is that, you know, it's all still devices we use to, to kind of protect ourselves, and Lee was, was different for me that I played a lot of kind of forward forward motion, hit first before you're hit. Whereas Lee, I always thought of as kind of laying in wait, and if she could just be quiet long enough, she would hope that the person would go away. And then if you didn't, she could make you verbally go away. But she was much more thought of her as a straight as an armadillo, sometimes as you know something ready to kind of attack if you didn't walk away fast enough. But um, I think there's a bit of all of those. I'm, I feel like I've kept all of those ladies with me, so they're they're in here for good. So you know, you never know. <laughs> Thank you. Ricardo. 
believe I'll... Okay, get the same... Oh, you, you go ahead and can we get the other mic? Hello? Can we get a mic to this gentleman? <laughs> okay. You go ahead, ma'am, and then you. Thanks. Um, you talked about defense mechanisms, and I was struck by the fact that you appeared not to be wearing the defense of makeup in that production. Did that take a lot of courage? No. <laughs> I rarely wear makeup. Um, no, my God, if that's equated with courage, we're all in trouble. Um, no, I just thought she's, Lee was f form and utilitarian and just couldn't be bothered. I also love that Lee was exactly who she was and I think the concept of, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I think to Lee, in my, at least in my head, the Lee that lives in my head and heart, that just seems ridiculous. I mean, that she just wouldn't, wouldn't be bothered to do something like that. So, no, I never, I always kind of, what's that? You as an actor appearing without, <coughs> oh, no. you as an actor appearing no. without makeup. I, no, it didn't occur. I, I kind of only think in terms of the character and, and, and what they would do. And I thought, well, it's quicker in and out of hair and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, sir. From what you know about Lee's life, having written the book, did it change her? I mean, you know, we, we care about this desperately lonely person on screen. Did, did it make her more happy? Did, it, did the success of the book have an impact on her that we know? Well, I can, to the, to the, <coughs> the second question in that, I, when we were shooting in Julius's, which was, was the oldest gay bar in New York City where we had quite a few scenes and it is where Lee hung out. We were shooting there one day and there was an older gentleman that kept watching me and I couldn't figure out if he was part of the background actors and then it didn't seem he was and was he there with anyone but I never saw him talking to anyone. So halfway through the day I found myself kind of nose to nose with him and I introduced myself and asked him you know, who, who he was here with and he said, it's hard for me not to come and sit down next to you. I didn't exactly know what that meant. And he goes, that was my job. I sat to Lee's left. And, and I was kind of, you know, it's, you, you immediately, I kind of just immediately said, am I doing okay? And I said, would Lee be happy? To which he took a deep breath and just said, well, happy wasn't really Lee's thing. <laughs> Which I thought was so amazing because I, it's like every little anecdote and story and memory that people give you have that. There's a bite and then there is some relief through her wit. And um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, there, there's a wonder to that. So the, I hope that answers it, yeah. Yeah. So um, thank you very much. I thought the film was absolutely brilliant and very, very funny. With a, I thought the script was amazing. But the thing I, I, I just was curious about and want to ask about a little bit was, that, um, was the fact that both characters were gay and were attracted to each other and that, well, that it was just so great. It was just, there was a normalcy to it, which we should be seeing more in yes. film every day, so how did you t take that, uh, that approach to bring these two fantastic <coughs> characters to life? And both of them were both wicked in their various different ways, but also I found extremely endearing. Well, and I, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head, right? That this is, 
this was not a story about two gay people. This was not a story about their sexuality. It was a story about two people, two humans and how they connected. And the fact that they both were gay was part of who they were. And I don't think we've seen that many films with, with gay characters that actually don't address their sexuality. And, and this, for us, it was really important to make sure that that shift forward was deliberate, right? That we, that we allowed them to be who they were, regardless of what people might label them one way or the other. And, and, and I think you know, it was in the writing. Um, and it was like, you know, Jack as well, but Lee, she was such a real, raw human being. So you couldn't, you, didn't, you, couldn't, you didn't have to put a lot into her to make her as complex and as, as complicated as she was. And so I think you know, she, just, she, stood, she stood out on her own, and, and, and it, it kind of came together very naturally. But, but paying good attention to not making it about somebody, somebody else's version of or label of was really important to us right from the beginning. We've got time for just one more question. Who's going to be brave? Yes, sir. <laughs> Give the man a mic. Does anybody know what happened to the letters and has anybody been tempted to find or buy one? I am desperately <laughs> searching. <laughs> I want one so badly. Can someone help me? Yeah. I just yeah. have a feeling that some are going to appear. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. do you know who Judge Judy is? Yeah. Yes, she's on TV here. Don't too. pretend you don't watch daytime television. <laughs> Judge Judy came, of all people, I mean, it was bizarre to us, to me. She came to the premiere in New York last week, and I said, Judge Judy, as you do, I said, Judge Judy, what would you have done about Lee Israel? What, what would your sentence have been? She said, oh, real light. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, she didn't kill anybody. She didn't hurt anybody. She, she said, I said, what about the, the dealers that she duped? And she said, well, you know, the provenance and authenticity of what is out there in terms of autographs and letters is so questionable and dodgy in the first place that she said, I kind of admire the fact that she out-dodged the Dodgers. And I said, that'll do me. Absolutely. So I think some are going to appear on oh, eBay. I, I also keep, I keep wondering when I do find them, which I will, I'm like a dog with a bone with that right now, <laughs> I hope. I'm dying to see if her letters are now worth more than the original. <laughs> no. I just can't wait. Like, I hope for her. I feel like she would, would make her so, that. oh, so, yeah. More than anything, she'd be like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for your time and your insights. They're a wonderful movie. Thank you all.